This is an historic moment for the show. Today marks the first time I talk to two friends at the same time. And that's pretty cool. It's something to celebrate. I am really happy about this episode. Me, Andrew Jones, Rory Connell, we go back about over 20 years now as friends. They go back even further. You add that all up, that's a lot of friend years. I love it. We had a really fun time doing this show. It went so long that we're actually splitting it into two episodes. Just like a worm that we cut and then both parts become their own worm. And they grow down into the rich fertile soil to bequeath your ears with the loving sounds and vibrations of such rich stories. It's very soilent. I'm very happy and proud of it. If you don't know who the band Raccoon is, you are going to learn everything you ever wanted to know about them, and then some. We're taking a really deep dive into this world. So I just want you to tuck your chin, pull in your belly, and take the dive with us. Head first into the world that is Raccoon. We're going to be listening some awesome Raccoon songs this show and talking about them. I'm just so happy for people that weren't around during this period of time, late 90s, early 2000s, to feel like they're connected in some way to this. And for me, it was such a magical and special time in my life that it's just so nice to revisit and do it with the people that were there. So here we go. Strap in. Buckle up. Hold tight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Andrew Jones and Rory Connell. We're all here. We're all here. That was kind of not a great fade out. I want to fade it back in to give it a proper fade out. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I am here with two of two of my oldest buddies. Oh man! Not like oldest. You guys are old, but um, it's been a long time. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. We have. We've known each other quite a long time. We're like your second 
group of buddies, right? Like you have your original Zinkle, Frank McElroy buddies. Yes. Dimitri. And then, you know, we're like the second growth. Second wave. It's the second Second wave. wave. Yeah. It's like you had, uh, Uh, you know, Ramones, Clash, Misfits, and then you start Uh doing some Black Flag and throw that Descendants in the mix. Yeah, we're definitely Black Flag. What's that? We're definitely Black Flag. Yeah. Yeah, good Black Flag. Before (laughs) before Rollins. (laughs) Before Rollins entered the game um so who who do i have here who is this who are you who are you guys is, is this how you start your um your interviews with your friends who are you it's a lot of accusations there's a lot of accusations yeah. in this and a little bit of uh paranoia well that's that's andrew jones yeah i'm andrew i met yeah. Bradford first in my basement in Westchester. Oh. Uh, and it was great. It's just been all good stuff ever since. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a music guy. I'm a law guy. Went to law school. I teach people the law. And yeah. Yeah, you lay down the law. I lay down the law when, <laughs> when necessary. And let it take a nap for a little nap time. I, I lay it down and I swaddle it. Yeah, you got to <laughs> swallow the law. Sometimes the law doesn't play very nice, and you have to be sweet to it. It gets agitated, and it just needs mm-hmm. to get safe. You gotta treat it like a little burrito. Yeah, a little burrito. Give it very Tight mild wrap. salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Extra mild. <laughs> it's just just the skin of the tomato. Yes. Yeah. That's all the babies want. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's the worst part of the tomato. <laughs> None of that sweet pulp. <laughs> the other guy, Rory. Yeah. The other guy who's here. I'm Rory Connell. I took the LSATs, but I did not go to law school. Um, I went to grad school. Uh, I I do music stuff, um, including having played guitar in the band Raccoon and in other bands. Um, And I write disaster plans for a living now, which is a funny outcome, modern, modern profession. It's, that's interesting too right now because there's obviously has been some disasters <laughs> recently. Mm-hmm. Has that um should I have bought in stock in your company? You should have bought in stock in my company. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> if I had if I had gone back if I had gone back to twenty nineteen for Christmas, I would have given myself a few stocks. One would have been Rory's company, another would have uh-huh. been Zoom. And I don't think we're publicly traded, actually. I have to check that. I'll I could have I could have traded it on the black market and gotten something off of that. Yeah, dark web. The, yeah. 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 Get some is Bitcoin. The dark web, <laughs> is dark web and deep web the same thing? Ah. You know? I don't know if I've heard of the deep web. Uh, yeah, what's in the what's in the deep web is probably like really, really rare garbage pill kids movie information. Deep web is like all of the like right-wing conspiracy stuff kind of exists exists on the deep web oh. and dark dark web is like where you can purchase like tattoos from dead people oh wow okay yeah, dark, dark web is like off the record so it sounds yeah. like deep web is the image boards your four chance your eight chance eight coon it's now eight coon eight coon okay yeah and this is different than like 
there's a, it's confusing because there's also the deep state. There is the mm-hmm. deep state, which they talk about a lot on those image boards. Those, what, what about the dark state? What's that? It sounds like a cool movie that probably Tommy Lee Jones would have been in. Yeah. Yeah. 1998, Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe like Seagal, Steven Seagal, a little follow-up to Under Siege. Yeah. A little Steven Seagal like as the as the hero before he uh before he puffed up a little. <laughs> yeah. The Steven Seagal's a true lunatic. His uh post movie life is completely insane. He like advertises himself as a security expert and he's a total <laughs> psychopath. He's nutty. Uh, he's, yeah, he's terrible. Do you, do you think he has like a wild collection? Like does Steven Seagal collect something that's disturbing like Nazi memorabilia or I bet oh. he collects swords. Because uh, there's a very thin veneer with that yeah. guy. Exactly what you think he would be. Just like the silkiest kimonos possible. Let's see, yeah. just has yeah, his drawers of them. Faux Asian shtick. <laughs> Deep fetish. I'm not. Um, a, I'm coming off as very anti Steven Seagal, and that's because I am. I think he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just want to set the record straight. If yeah. you know, if if we if we just talk about him this whole episode, it'll actually be time well spent. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, good time well spent with Seagal. Uh, Actually, segue. I've got a good segue. Yes. Uh, You mean the ones you ride around on the street for like tours? Not those. Those are cool. But transition. If we ever need to get out of something we've gone too deep into, like Steven Seagal, I can tell you about the amazing name I saw on a gravestone when I was out on a, a walk today and it was near a, a cemetery so we walked through the cemetery a little bit you want to hear this name yes yeah the name is walter g eels <laughs> <laughs> and it made me so happy so let's think about walter eels walter eels isn't bad walt eels is like he makes a it. disgusting name <laughs> walter g eels <laughs> is perfect oh You're, you're like you're dealt that hand where your last name is Eels. Yeah. Like Walter G. Eels is about as good as it gets. Yeah. yeah. Walt Eels. Walt Eels. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I wonder you know, did he wonder how he died? Do you think if it had something to do with Eels, yeah, then we then we're bitter, just bitter irony. Poof. Yeah. Especially if they if they weren't electric eels. Yeah. Just common eels or like slipped on an eel in an aquarium that wasn't killed him and he oh yeah he's bummed because it's like it wasn't even eels it was so close (laughs) but it wasn't eels land eels (laughs) you immediately would think that he was killed by electric eels okay well that's a good way to get out of uh anything (laughs) we go down too far that's our safe word then walter eels yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's the safe word (laughs) um so yeah, I I knew you guys. I really wanted to focus this. Uh, this is also I want to say uh, the first episode in the show that has three people. So far, it's just been me and another person. So now we're we're really upping the ante here. There's a lot more factors at play. You know, you get three of us. It's chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting. I just want to kind of preface that that it can get kind of Looney Tunes here, if we want, which is fun. 
But Do you I, want I, us to get Looney Tunes? I, well, I, maybe like maybe a mixture of like, uh, you know, a little Tom and Jerry, and like between maybe between Tom Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. I think that's a probably that middle ground middle. there. Daffy's just absolutely like he's he's lost it. You know, his uh, his brain's gone, but Porky Pig is just like stumbling through life. There aren't many of those merry melodies that have like a third in them. They're just like, it's about the relationship of two characters. Right. There's rarely like, they're checking in on Marty the Martian or whatever it is. That's interesting. Mar- yeah, they never really meet. All Marvin, them. yeah. They don't really, Marty, because we're talking about Marty. Marty's Marty Zinkle. Zinkle. <laughs> we're just going right into that. That's. Yeah, they don't really ever like get into uh, the worlds, the the universes in that the Merry Melodies don't really uh, connect very much. No. Tom and Jerry, Tom and Jerry and Wiley e. Coyote never met, as far as I know. Maybe in Space Jam. I think Tom and Jerry are a different franchise, though. Oh, shoot. I think they're. Yeah, I don't think they're under the, like the, the Merry Melodies. That whole Merry Melodies universe. Porky and Daffy and uh-huh. Elmer. Okay. All right, that's interesting. Well, that they're not they're not Hanna Barbera, but they're mm-hmm. I think they're like their own thing, like Metro Goldwyn, maybe. When I was a kid, <laughs> this is fascinating, but I'm gonna tell you about when I was a kid. I hated Tom. I always really? wanted Jerry or no no no, the opposite. I hated Jerry. You're supposed to yeah. root for Jerry. Yeah. But I hated Jerry. And I was rooting for Tom. Because mm. I felt like Jerry was always just destroying him and tom he's he's just doing what he's supposed to do he's just a cat yeah, yeah programmed that way yeah it's it, it I was just until later i was like rooting for the wrong one <laughs> it, but it's instinct the cat had instincts that we were we were all trying to uh suppress yeah let tom be a cat yeah let him do what his god-given instinct is doing um i i really am a, i brought you both here today to talk to you <laughs> about something very important. And it's something that hasn't been talked about very much. And it's a little band called Raccoon. Mm-hmm. I remember. You remember that? Do you yeah. remember? <laughs> if you didn't remember it, I'd be really concerned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which um, Raccoon operated from 1999 to 2000 three or four something like that it seems like if we're just putting it in where time exists yeah um, probably 2003 that's the raccoon yeah. that's the raccoon verse we'll refer to raccoon ver- yeah um i that takes that question off it's uh, it's as you'll see a kind of one band morphed into another so i think raccoon existed a little earlier than that the even the name itself would have probably been like 97 or 98 Really? So, okay. So this I also want to just mention because uh, you know we're kind of like launching into this this thing right now. We're uh, you know we've taken care of taken care of a little talk about Seagal a little bit, some little fluff here and there. But uh, initially, when I got in touch with you guys to do the show, like I was telling you uh, before we started this, is that uh, I asked you both to do this, and I was kind of like, I don't know what we're going to talk about to start. We can just go into something. And then literally an hour or two later, I get a Facebook message from somebody that wants raccoon music. They're getting in touch with me through a friend of ours, mutual friend, Richard Santos. Um, really great guy. And, yeah, and, awesome. and 
Yeah, Te- super legend. Yeah, total legend. Um, I actually we should get him on some point for. Should we should do that? Uh, it's a good, it's a growing list now for the show. But he uh, he uh, this this gentleman got in touch with me and it, it literally was like you know okay you're asking me about raccoon music I just talked to it Rory and Andrew this is uh, this is a cosmic yes we have to talk about raccoon and it's also something that I feel like really needs documenting as far as what this band was um, and just the era of music, you know, and for me, it's like, it was such a magnificent time in my life to be a part of, of this with you guys and um, meeting you all in your whole world, you know, it was just, it was awesome. So uh, it's really exciting. Anyway, that's kind of the, where I'm coming from is like, you know, being involved, but also a huge fan and then just wanting to, uh, to let other people like know the story, you know, I mean, it's not like we're doing a behind the music of <laughs> one deal or it's not it's not like that. But uh, just to just to know, like, hey, where did this start? Where is it from? And, uh, you know, any like fun tidbits and stuff that. Uh, yeah. That do you want me to start? Do you want me to like give a little deep background? Yeah. And I kind of want to like let you guys um, take the reins. I don't want to be super direct in, in like directive as far as what I'm I'm asking of. But, you know, just kind of like just general things that I feel like are, are of interest as far as, you know, where are you from and, and how did it, how did this all start? So I'd love to hear from, uh, yeah. Well, I think probably like if there is any interest, it probably derives at least in part from Dr. Dog, like the later, uh, very successful band with Toby and Scott. So Toby Lehman and Scott McMicken, our buddies who were in raccoon with us um so like raccoon was kind of a precursor to dr dog coexisted for a little while um and that would you know i i can't imagine too many people are just like dying to hear about raccoon independent of that like they hate dr dog but they really want to know about raccoon that just doesn't seem to make too much sense yeah i don't know well, maybe maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be open to whatever but uh the so that's kind of like where it ended up but the very beginnings um so rory was a grade ahead of me in school and then i was a grade ahead of toby and scott so i became buddies with rory and doug o'donnell who was also a guitar player in in dr dog uh in the early days of Dr. Dog, the original guitar player. Um, so I was buddies with them. And then they graduated. Where what, Where was this? Oh, yeah. This is in uh, West Grove, Pennsylvania. The high school is called Avon Grove. Uh, southeastern PA, right near the Delaware state line. Um, just kind of out in the country. Not not too far out there but a fairly rural when we were growing up there um who who was the mascot of the high school it was the red devils so it's the Avongrove red devils there was some controversy stefana riley's mom tried to get the <laughs> mascot changed because she was a christian didn't like the the devil imagery and it was the 
most devilish of the devils is the red devil. I know, a red devil. It's like the default devil. Yeah, it was kind of a playful. It's just spirit. the regular devils. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Bradford's familiar with a sun devil out in Arizona. Yeah. They have sun devils. But in yeah. southeastern PA, we just had a red devil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Red devils. And then I was also, I'm from, you know, the area close to where the Jersey Devil uh, that's true. There's oh, all kinds of a lot of devils everywhere. Or the red devils. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was our high school, and it was a funny little place. We didn't have a football team, so it seemed like social dynamics were a little bit weird there. There were a bunch of punk rockers. There were a bunch of rednecks, and that was kind of like it wasn't so much like the jocks versus the nerds or the skaters or anything. It was more like the rednecks and the punks. That was the conflict. Where the redneck, the rednecks were the red devils. They, <laughs> yeah. They and also, if there's no football team, team, if there's no football team, what's the mascot doing? <laughs> it's just running, <laughs> running about, like destroying things. <laughs> I was on the just hopping on shoulders. Team. So uh, the academic competition team was pretty hot stuff. At, there we at, go. But we never had the mask. I don't think there actually was a mascot. Mascot. It was just the emblem. Yes. Nobody yeah, dressed yeah. as the red devil as far as I know. Rory, did anybody ever dress up as the red devil? It's a missed opportunity, and there are many missed opportunities at that high school. Why not? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> they never, never happened. There was a yearly donkey basketball game where oh, uh, the players would ride on donkeys and play basketball. <laughs> Which I don't think you can do that anymore, but it's pretty amazing now that I think back. <laughs> donkey basketball is. Like the funniest insult to someone. Just call them donkey basketball. <laughs> yeah, so we had donkey basketball. Oh. Um, but yeah, so what I was saying is I was kind of in between grades. Mm. Rory and Doug and my brother and some other buddies of ours graduated. They went to college. I was still in high school and I'd kind of like lost the people I hung out with the most. And that was when I really started hanging out with Toby and Scott all the time. And they're super great dudes, very cool people, fun to hang out with. Uh, and they had a band called Baseball. Mm. And uh, Baseball was awesome. Like I, So good. I saw them play. I was completely blown away. Like, these guys rule. They sounded, they sounded a little bit like Sunny Day Real Estate. They were kind of like heavy, uh, like... Maybe like sm like early Smashing Pumpkins-y, like heavy guitar rock. And I just thought Scott was like the best guitar player I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and he, he kind of is. Yeah, but I, I mean, not at high, I'm sure like the high school version of Scott was not fully formed, but he was still, he could still rip it pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty great. So yeah, I just thought like, this is amazing. And I didn't play music at the time um i actually toby gave me bass lessons so oh. that was my first musical instrument was learning to play the bass from toby um and then my college roommate when i went to college uh jamie he had a guitar in our dorm room and that's when i learned how to play guitar but starting off i just was at toby's house all the time playing his bass and so that's how i started playing music and the very, well, Rory and I had sort of uh, played some music together, but in like a 
noise like i rory rory could play guitar but i had no idea what i was doing i was just like banging on a bass with like two strings on it doing my best uh, that, that project was called evan bando evan bando yeah oh is it, was <laughs> that a playoff of evan D dando <laughs> but it was sure evan yeah <laughs> evan bando's just a, a man but <laughs> which he should be evan mando and then a band these are all like pretty deep repressed memories for me andrew so i'm glad you're taking the lead on this yeah. and rory um you know he can tell you about his history but he made like cool home recording like bedroom recording stuff some like noisy stuff some songwritery stuff and and that stuff was really cool so what i started hanging out with those guys a bunch and rory and doug were still pretty local they were going to the university of delaware which is really not far from where we grew up so they were still around a bunch so we started kind of mixing the the groups together and it was a very fun thing everybody immediately was uh pretty psyched on these newer buddies entering the mix and then the first music project that we all did together me rory toby and i guess it wasn't scott but I, by that point scott had moved to connecticut scott moved to connecticut for a couple years so the first thing we did was me rory toby and our friend evan draper um who later reappears in the raccoon story but uh <laughs> the four of us did a band called the paleontologists and that was the you know really we were really good at naming our bands uh in those early days um that was the the first iteration of the thing that became raccoon and we basically just like we were all listening to the same pavement records and we were just like maybe we could make music that sounds kind of like this and we we i don't think i'm sure we weren't good but it felt pretty exciting it felt like we were doing weird cool stuff and yeah yeah well you're also ahead it sounds like you were ahead of the paleo craze by calling yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it's true um, but there was a lot of just like your chord can be shaped like this uh, and i never shaped a chord like that it was always if, like this and for um, if for our listeners at home rory is doing a yeah, really claw like a, like, like a claw chord thing. thing that's just i like, had clawish hands anyway but yeah, yeah it's just, just a lot of like breaking put, out a put structure. your hand like this and move it around but yeah um because toby was good about kind of having that framework where he listened to a lot of like he listened to fish and tom waits and things like that so i think it was a little more out there than probably like the more straight ahead Beatles type stuff that I liked in that world. But I liked like pavement and all that stuff. So that, that made sense, but yeah, like a little noisier and probably like more conventional. I know there were a couple of paleontologist songs that like carried with us. Does that make sense, Andrew? Like yeah. Seaward bound carried through, I think. Up as raccoon songs and even got yeah. released on some of the stuff we released. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, Toby, Toby wrote, most if yeah almost all of the songs at that point and they were just great he's such a cool songwriter doing such weird stuff 
Um, and I was, uh, he's, he's a bass player by trade. He plays bass in Dr. Dog, but he was playing guitar and Rory's playing guitar. I was playing bass and Evan was playing the drums for the most part, uh, in the paleontologists. Um, and then I think like Evan went to school and then our, our buddy Ray drummed with the paleontologists some, and then Scott moved back. So like there was a year where Toby and I were both at Westchester University um, li living in dorms and Scott had not moved back yet. Mm. After my second year of college, Toby's first year of college, Scott moved back. And that was like, well, this dude's just like the best. He's such a great musician. Yeah. And, like, and this and, got another guy who's really good at music in this band now. And this and year and the years we're at right now is around like, what is it it's like ninety eight? Yeah. So I graduated in ninety six, and then ninety seven Toby graduated and came to Westchester. So it would have been ninety eight that um, Scott would have moved back, and we bought a house. My brother and I with uh, like the help from my dad my dad's kind of like a, a schemer he was like we're not gonna rent a house like you're gonna buy a house and you and all of your weirdo friends are gonna live in it and he's like why would you pay rent to somebody you got all these weirdos who want to live with you let's just so we bought a house just like a crappy little three-bedroom house and seven of us moved into it <laughs> Um, and that was really where, like, we could just play music all the time, and it was the best. Right next to uh, little old Miss Nesbit. Mrs. Is Nesbit, me? yeah. And it, so, like, this huge <laughs> rocker house. <laughs> right like, up interchangeable lineups in this rocker house. Yeah, we this had this little Scott old lady. Ali Roger flag, like, that. Oh, God he put out on the house the day we moved in which in hindsight is such like a frat bro move which was everything we hated but we still and so like people started calling it the pirate house and that definitely caught on um but yeah poor mrs nesbitt just these weirdos <laughs> with their pirate flag and their rock bands moved in next door and, and probably like every night was like a band practice of some oh, type yeah. there were a lot of bands uh bradford entered into that scene pretty early on and uh his his band uh practice there unleash the bastards but yeah that's it was, I, it was funny too we were talking this summer when i visited home how um i like kind of just i just showed up there and uh i remember yeah. Andrew, you, you remarked how it was like kind of you guys didn't really let people into this this group, not because you were elitist or anything, but it was more just uh, you guys had a tight knit. We were pretty insular. We were not looking for new recruits. But, right. Um, but when you showed up, it was very clear very quickly <laughs> that you had you had the vibe we were looking for. And yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I think that was that was very that uh, was good. You know, I was also coming in as like uh, a. I started as a fan actually of just like for being in the punk world and uh you know meeting i think john balzarini and scott mm -hmm. weaver and you know kind of the warrior and guy yeah 
Yeah. Were, did you see them as Civil War reenactment guy, or were they uh, it, already Unleash the Bastards when it, you came in? It was Unleash the Bastards when I came in. Okay, um, that was their predecessor, was Civil War reenactment guy. Yeah, that's right, because I, I missed that. I missed that whole world, and I, I kind of wish I had gotten to see that. And uh, I'll be <laughs> Do you talking want me to tell you the story of where that name came from? Because John is not going to want to talk about it when you talk to him. Oh, God, please. Yeah, because I'm going to be talking to him soon, so I'd love to hear that. I, I would love it. Unleash the Bastards is a great name. That came from our uh, working at a bookmark factory, and there was a quote <laughs> on one of them that said, unless the bastards something. <laughs> And I misread it as Unleash the Bastards. And then John was like, that's what I'm calling my band. Oh. Uh, but before that, his band was called Civil War Enactment Guy. And that came from a like really notorious house party at our friend Willie and Sarah, their brother and sister. Sarah is Toby's wife, Sarah Lehman. Mm. Uh, Willie and Sarah's house, their parents were out of town and they had a house party at their house. And all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But the one thing that happened was John had like a thrift store Vietnam era like army coat that I he that. had. And the name tag on it was Deadman, D-E-D-M-A-N, <laughs> like Deadman, which is incredible. It's like the best name you could ever have on an army jacket. Dude. So he wore that Deadman jacket all the time. It got so filthy and smelly and he like... Uh, you know, put a bunch of spikes in it. It was amazing. Uh, so he would wear that jacket all the time. So he got, uh, he had a little too much to drink at this party and he went up into the bathroom and was vomiting and I had gone up with him because he was oh kind of in rough shape and somebody wanted to use the bathroom and this guy, Joey Simpers, who's a kind of a Newark, Delaware skateboarding and rock and roll music legend. He's a great guy. But he didn't know John at the time. He was walking out of the bathroom. Somebody wanted to come in and use the bathroom. And Joey said, there's some Civil War reenactment guy puking in there. Which is, his, his Vietnam jacket is really, I don't know how he mistook it for Civil War era. That looks Civil War era. That's insane. But Dude. Civil War reenactment guy is just a great a great name so that's where civil war reenactment guy came from i uh, can't believe i've never heard that that's amazing yeah that's, that's funny that you've never heard that story it's a great one you should tell john that you just know the story now and he'll probably get mad at me be horrified <laughs> <laughs> that's it's funny it's been this secret like shame of his that i've never gotten to hear this he does not really publicize that story which to me i would i would tell everybody well, it's good um, we're doing it here for everyone to hear. So now it's on the record. <laughs> sure. But yeah, that was kind of like the early scene. So when Scott moved back, um, eventually Ray Ray was playing drums for us then. And he was just never really into the same music we were into. Yeah. Um, I think he liked us all and thought we were like doing cool stuff, but it just wasn't his world really. He uh, was actually one of the founding members of Me Without You. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like more his scene. He was more into like post-hardcore music and stuff like that. Um, so eventually it was at that point, it was the five of us because Scott had joined in. So me, Rory, Scott and Toby and then Ray. And eventually it was just kind of like, this doesn't really make sense. Like Ray doesn't, necessarily need to be in our band 
but none of us really played the drums. So we, when Ray left, we started doing the thing where Toby and Scott would switch off between guitar and drums. So that so, was why. Oh. Yeah. 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 It's there, like, there's simply a thing with, oh, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, it's like, it's like, let, he'll play a little bit, but don't let people catch on too much that he's not really like drumming. <laughs> yeah. And switch them off real quick. But also, I mean, they know they were writing songs. So it's, but that's, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like personality stuff with Ray. I mean, Ray's a great, I love Ray so much, but I don't know if it was just because he wasn't as into what we were doing as, you know, we were. Um, yeah. But there was always, I, I feel like there's always a thing with like, Scott's in Boston. He doesn't want to be there or like Connecticut, depending yeah, he, on if he's at school or at home. And like, he's going to come back and we'll just be a band. And that's, this is the band when it's the four of us. That's, that was like my mental state with it. I don't know if yeah. Andrew, if you back that up, we're just like, uh, I mean, that's the missing piece. I think that was kind of Ray's thought on it from the beginning too, is that like yeah. he was our drummer until we found somebody who actually made sense to be the fourth person in the band. And then when Scott moved back, it was like, well, we've kind of got our, our four, four people now. We just have to work around the fact that none of us are really drummers, which was a minor <laughs> detail. <laughs> but, it's a, but uh, you know, just from my perspective too, it was also like so endearing because you know you get somebody that's um, not technically savvy in that way, uh, and you just throw them in, and it's just this primal, primal sound that comes through. You know, it was like yeah, for sure. I yeah. loved. It. Yeah, I loved that. I mean, the, the forget the technique and all that. I mean, there's a level I guess you need when you're starting to play, but you know, I definitely saw that with the both of their drumming styles. You know, they had such a unique style that. Um, that really just like boosted it up in this unique way for the for the band at least you know when i first started seeing them yeah i, I don't mm -hmm. trust drummers that much like i feel <laughs> like if someone is just a drummer and they're thinking about drum patterns and yeah. i'd rather if they were thinking about like the chords of a song or like dynamic shifts and i feel like those dudes just had their brains set up a different way and it translated to better rhythms and yeah. band energy yeah, but this is kind of like foreshadowing the demise is it was kind of like building something on a shaky foundation, like eventually Toby was going to want to play bass in a band and Scott mm. was going to want to just play guitar and not have to play drums. So it's like eventually when the band ended and that that was, uh, I think, certainly a part of the appeal of Dr. Dog was like, I like Toby can just play bass and Scott can just play guitar and they can find a drummer and they can find, you know, people to like a, somebody who just plays keys. But at the time, the chaos was like a huge part of the fun. Yeah. And Raccoon was a very weird band. And that's what I loved about it a lot of, you know, I, there's a lot that I loved about it, but it was fun to me how like we were doing so much stuff that didn't really make sense and it just yeah. ended up being weird and fun it was like impractically democratic that band mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. that was like a, a thing that was exciting about it well, now now here's a thing i'm curious is where's the name from toby came up with the name it was shortly after we went from playing with ray to not and we hadn't really talked about changing the name but we had gone to a show 
in Philadelphia, I think. We'd gone to a show somewhere and we were driving back from it and Toby, Toby had uh, like in the basement in that house in Westchester, just like weird combinations of people would play music together. So Toby and Jeff Kelly, uh, who later played with Unleash the Bastards, he was a Westchester guy who lives in Florida and now he's a great dude. Great guy. Toby and Jeff Kelly, which is like the ultimate musical odd couple that I that can is, think of from that scene. That's They really were just wild. like in the basement in the basement making noise and toby had said their band was called raccoon and i was i i think all of us are like well that's a really great name for a band <laughs> but we were driving home from this show in a car and i remember in the car ride toby was like i can't believe i wasted raccoon on on my band with jeff kelly and it was like well we can we don't have to be the paleontologist that's not actually a good name for a band <laughs> and in the car ride, it was like is our name raccoon and toby was like I think our name is Raccoon now. That was it. So, sorry, Jeff Kelly. We hit, we needed that, and and your project with Toby was going nowhere. So That's... I don't really follow. <laughs> and I and and I want to thank Jeff Kelly just personally because I took over his role in Unleash the Bastards. He That's was right. he had yeah. other things he was pursuing. So it was kind of this great thing. Everything worked out in that way. I it was like kind of more into the hardcore scene. Which yeah. was a funny thing about that Westchester music world. Like we were kind of weirdos and punks, but there were a lot of people and a lot of the bands we played with were hardcore bands and it was just stuff I had never gotten into or listened to. But those were just like the other music dudes around. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, I hang out with this guy with the judge sweatshirt and I don't well, even know what that band is. You know, it's, inter it's interesting just talking about Westchester <laughs> for a second because I, I don't know how... I'm... I know this is going to, you know, other people are going to be listening and that, that might not even know the area exactly, but it's this, uh, it's this college town that's about an hour out of, from Philly and, uh, like super college. My dad went there to college. Uh, we actually, I had the same sociology professor that he did, which is kind of funny. My dad partied with back in the day and, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's just like really, really college, right? Like built on a college town. I yeah, mean, I it's, not, it's not like a cool urban campus or anything. It's like the scene is the college. Yes, yes. And so with that comes a lot of, uh, you know, jocks, nerds, <laughs> misfits, yeah. and dreamers. And and, and also, <laughs> at the time, <laughs> also at the time, at the time, there was Creep Records, I should just point out. Yes, yeah. that's true. That was yeah. a big deal. That was really big, and um, you know, one of my favorite bands, uh, Plow United, mm -hmm. that um, I loved, and and you know, just had this like, there was this whole scene that was happening there, that we we kind of dipped into once you know, we started all these bands that we're talking about, you know, started playing yeah. more Raccoon Unleash the Bastards, but there was that was this other thing that was happening, and it had a predominance of hardcore, I would say, you know, there was like hardcore. Yeah, Plow was very pop punky and and really fun mm -hmm. and i was into plow but yeah. Uh, yeah. i think yeah, a lot awesome. of creep, creep records roster was more hardcore yeah and then newark delaware which was our other like big music town was jade tree records which is like more like melodic hardcore stuff yeah so both of these towns that were really central in what we were doing had these really successful indie labels 
and they were just like not what we were doing <laughs> yeah yeah much much more like i didn't understand any of that music like the punk rock music at all but yeah but like pretty weird for some people both those places are like 45 minutes to an hour outside of philadelphia mm-hmm. and they seemed completely independent of what was happening in philadelphia yeah um, and kind of vital in their own way yeah you're right um I, i'm wondering then at that time who you were seeing like were there local bands that you were going out to see like as you started playing uh, kind of before you even started doing shows out in places like were you um yeah is there anybody that you were into that was local or like yeah in like the newark scene uh, our friend in high school sarah michaels had a band called marmalade yeah, Marmalade. which was the band after her band brill and both those bands were pretty great i thought yeah um yeah, I liked what they were doing a lot. The Pins, which was Doug Weaver, who his brother John uh, played in Civil War reenactment guy. Nice. Um, yes, John. John but Bukai. yeah, Doug Weaver and Brian Mackey and Steve Hollis. I loved The Pins so much. They were just like a super great kind of like political punk band, but they did covers of a bunch of 50s pop songs like Ooh. Bird Dog and man the pins ruled so like even in our high school there were some bands that i would like still go to bat for today it's like these were really cool bands but those were like our first like contemporaries who were doing shit that seemed like kind of exciting yeah oh that's that's how you are in a band and that's bands can be good you know who else was there any that like were kind of bigger bands well the two that i loved from the newark delaware Wilmington Delaware scene were Zen Gorilla, which to me are still like the greatest thing ever, which is like MC5 ish, like the blues, Rolling Stones type music. And the singer's so good. The singer of the MC5 now. Yeah, he's in the MC5 now. I mean, (laughs) they remind me of Rage Against the Machine. I feel like they have a similar energy to Rage Against the Machine where it's like it's bluesier and more psychedelic, but like really bass and drums driven and just like really cool vocals they they're an incredible especially live band like we would just get our minds blown by them five times a year they were that was like the event is like a month away zengar will be playing and then we would get so excited doug yeah. and i doug o'donnell yeah. and i was going like spasms when we'd see that band and i don't we did that we didn't lose control for other music <laughs> and then there was caterpillar which was like they did a split 12 inch with Zengorilla, and they were like kind of more indie rockish like pavement focused but really good like intelligent music yeah yeah, yeah. i loved caterpillar they, they and they still like exist in some capacity in philadelphia like every like five or six years there'll be some caterpillar show yeah hmm. and when we started playing in newark uh there was a band called flux capacitor that a, a guy named Jamie Wilson, who we became buddies with, was the songwriter for. Yeah. Um, had a little bit of overlap with that band Marmalade. Uh, they're a, a guitar player from Marmalade ended up playing in Flux Capacitor, and they were a very cool band. I liked them a lot. But that was kind of the, the Newark world. Um, and then Westchester, it, Plow was the, the band I liked the most when and- we started going to shows in Westchester. And then George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers. Yeah, the Delaware Destroyers um, are also from Delaware. And you good. know, but but yeah, honestly, Plow was I, you know I just can't say enough good things about that. That was really got me. I think 
that was my most inspired for me my most inspiring band at the time like a local band i was like whoa this is possible i could do this so that was that was kind of neat that fueled the fire and then they broke up like <laughs> right as i got to westchester <laughs> like that's it knew you were coming yeah that that's was one thing like, i yeah that's definitely something i've always admired about you bradford is that you've like you've found people who have like a creative energy that you get excited about and you like not only gravitate to them or like are a fan of like i'm I'm much more inclined to like be a fan of something, mm. but you wanted to be involved with people or like let people know that they meant something to you and um, get involved in it and get inspiration from it. And I think like from the first time I met you, you kind of had that, mm. you had that energy to you of just like getting, getting mixed up in things you liked. Yeah. It's great. I got, I got to thank my folks for that one. Cause I think that uh, they got me to be real socialized, you know, in this way and just, uh, whatever i don't know if it's my aquarian side or whatever that got to uh you know just really make these connections with folks and be bold to go out and you know just do that i'm kind of happy to have that that trait but i appreciate hearing that thank you yeah it's uh yeah i think it, it just uh yeah at the time i, I realized not everyone was doing that <laughs> so <I just laughs> jump into this mix of strangers that you don't know and just kind of just go for it but um yeah i would just play music with the idea that like maybe the bassist from Zen Gorilla would walk through the room <laughs> and, and then would recognize that I'm in a band. They you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. it was always like that abstract connection. I would never yeah. do anything about it, but you know, yeah. the only way it could happen is if you actually get on the stage. I, you know, I gotta say though, too, with Zen Gorilla, you guys got, I got to see them, I think twice because you, you filled me in on who they were. And you know, so it's like that one point, I think I saw them at the, kyber which was insane uh amazing show I, you never played with them did you you didn't open for them no. okay, so, i don't know who it was but it's just an, it was incredible like we were all there and it was just this like was it the, like the, the one after right after september 11th i feel like it was the first show after oh. september 11th they played it, the kyber and yeah, it was think, like the best feeling yeah it was it, that was it that must have been it the same that would have totally fit in line with the timeline for seeing them and the other time I saw them was uh, it was after a Halloween party at John Weaver's. I went down with my friend uh, Marin and I think John, a couple people, we went down to Baltimore and mm -hmm. they started playing. They played a few songs and then something happened and it was this big blow up on stage and they that was it. The, the show was over. So that was almost as awesome too because I got to see this real like fight happen yeah and that was it it was done and um i was like this is great you know they're not just like going through the motions pretending like oh we got this show or whatever it's like no this is a real deal like blow up thing it's very uh yeah no they they seemed at odds at times and that was kind of exciting yeah there's yeah. a whole thing where like we had eventually we got like we did well enough where i think at the east end cafe in newark delaware which is where zen gorilla like that was their their like homecoming big time shows we got enough where we're like next time zen gorilla plays the east end we get to open for them oh. and we're like we just kept like that was like the the yeah, carrot yeah. dangling oh. we and were... then they broke up right before like yeah. it was like the next time they come oh. it's raccoon and zen gorilla and we're gonna like lose our shit and yeah it didn't happen so we sad, were so man. bad at self-promotion and like figuring out how to play shows and we would just get mad and like resent bands that were playing 
but it's like really the opposite of what Rory is saying you were able to do, which is like, just like put yourself out there and say like, Hey, I really like your stuff. And then you end up like playing with these people that you love. And, and yeah. we were just like these miscreants who couldn't get out of our own just way. But we, so been, much, yeah. the, the East end just had an open band night. So like you go and play as a band and that like our first three or four shows in a venue, we had, we would play like in basements of just friends, like not even basement shows, just like tell our friend, like you're gonna have us play <laughs> in your basement. And uh, show. at my parents' house, I started a music festival called Jeep Fest, which was basically just a chance for <laughs> all of the bands that my friends were in to play. And then when I had a band, it's like, well, yeah, we're definitely playing Jeep Fest, like you know, the booker. Uh, so, that was like the only time we were playing and i think we all felt like we're pretty good like why doesn't somebody book us not thinking like how would anyone know we exist just, just being angry that people were on that be like you guys are a band yeah that crappy band is probably pretty good why are we playing a show and then when we moved to philly we i just made a two song demo tape and i gave it to like the three venues that we thought it would be fun to play and all three of them offered us a show within like two days i was like man this is that's all it took i oh. should have done this a long time ago bunch of dummies <laughs> well so i want to i want to backtrack from there because that's i i was curious about this how did you get your first show like so you did the i remember those open band nights too now that you say it, i totally forgot about yeah, that yeah from that it was like three open band nights before we did anything though it was like an actual show like a book show an actual show we did so the funny thing with us is that we did an open band night and the guy mike cheney who had his record label sound extreme records was there and we got done we you know, like open band you play three or four songs mm -hmm. like you use their drum kit and their like bass rig um and then afterwards he was like i'm gonna put out a record by you guys and it seemed like the ultimate like dip shit band thing just like we play yeah well, of course you're gonna put out a record by us we just played a song called broadway and seaward bound or whatever like we're great we played prison break for you or whatever like these early songs that are just like not quite songs but they're great um yeah we were like this yeah you owe us we we put in our time already you already yeah. did yeah you i think we got a sh an actual show at the east end we played that open band a few times and like the guy who booked there was like you guys people come to see you at this open band night you can play on an act like you can open on an actual show yeah like amazing we made it and then we started playing also at Rex's in Westchester and Fenario, the coffee shop in Westchester. Yeah. And those were like our early things. We started to like know other bands and people who were putting on shows. So we played like a few VFW shows and the YWCA in Westchester put shows on. So oh, yeah. we we managed to get a little bit of momentum going in Newark and Westchester. The first show we ever played in Philly, I think you were involved in. It's that show at the Pontiac Grill. Did you yeah. play that or set that up? There's something because I think Unleash the Bastards and Raccoon both played 
Yeah, yeah, we. Did. I remember playing. That was yeah, that was show in Philadelphia. Master's Play That's great. Yeah, I had. I have I actually have like a live CD of that. That's real, just from the board, and it's. That's cool. It's not mixed well, so it's just all like janky. Yeah, of like are. this one guitar is super loud, and then everything's quiet. But uh, that was okay. that was the show where I put my amp on stage, and the sound guy who was really this this like old guy with a ponytail came up. He was like, "Let me ask you a question. Do you want to hear your guitar tonight, or do you want to hear it next week?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'd like to hear it tonight." He's like then you're going to move it or you're going to hear it next week too. It's going to be too loud for you tonight. I just had the weirdest, it. most confrontation. I was like, I just had said it on the stage. Well, I thought he said, uh, do you want to hear it with your ears or your with, knees? With your ears or your knees? Because <laughs> it was pointed at your legs. Yeah, you know, that's what it was? It was like this weird Zen cone of oh. like, I don't like, are we trying to stretch our minds here? Or are you asking me a question that has anything to do with the show we're about to play? Yeah, you like don't prepare for that sort of thing when you're like, I'm going to play a show. You like these abstract questions from this guy who just wants to listen to King Crimson and oh. not have to deal with your fucking band. Yeah, he's yeah. like, the, it's, it's like, welcome to Philly, kid. Yeah, yeah. This is the, the big time. The big time, yeah. <laughs> this is it. With your knees or with your ears? Oh, oh God. God. What, what, um, and... At this point, like uh, you guys, what had you recorded then at this point? Was there recordings going on? Uh, um, well, like Rory said, uh, there's this guy, Michael Cheney, Mike Cheney, uh, who lived in Delaware and had this little record label in Delaware that had put out a flux capacitor record, which was like the thing that we knew. And we were like, they're cool and they're more successful than us. So when he wanted to put out something of ours, we were like, great, makes total sense. Let's yeah. do it. So, and this um, is Sonic Stream Records. Yeah, Sonic Stream. Um, so we had done a like four song demo just in like a guy's basement studio in Downingtown. I don't remember his name. He was a really nice guy. Um, Dave something? Maybe. Is that maybe? I don't know. I don't his name too. You I recorded with him too, Bradford, right? We did the Bastards album there and I... Um, I gosh, what is his name? I bet I, I'm sure it's. So not we had those four songs, but then we like recorded six more with Nick Rotundo, um, who uh, is uh, passed away a few years ago. He was like a, a Newark hardcore. He did uh, drummer. Yeah, he died a few years ago. It was really sad. Oh, um, yeah, he was a super nice guy and recorded a bunch of cool bands at his studios called Clay Creek Studio in Newark, Delaware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we had recorded six more with Nick and we just kind of put smashed the four we did in the guy's basement with the six we did with Nick. And that was our debut album on Sonic Stream Records. Um, and is, is this is this uh is this from yeah the, is, yeah can, can we do a little can we do a little yeah, uh, okay so just, yeah we're just gonna listen to a little like delirious right now and then this one's funny because it's it in itunes and the grace notes it somehow comes up as delicious <laughs> <laughs> Yo, hey. 
good. That was at Nick's. This was at the the first place, the guy's basement we recorded. It. First guy's place. Okay. Yeah. Which has got a really good sound, I think. It's kind of like blown out in a cool way. And I'm noticing now that like Scott just sounds like um, Bob Dylan on the uh, on that Rolling Thunder review tour. If you saw that documentary, I love that. We saw kinda that. Kind of has that vibe, right? Yeah. Totally like does. Energy. Yeah. Just kind of wild and rolling along, you know, just this yeah. lolling, like kind of everything's just like it's real loose, you know, everything's just kind of hitting and yeah. <laughs> and that's got Hunter is a dog is in it, which is like the thing that comes up a few times. Yeah, we have a dog named Yeah, who is uh and yeah. who is Hunter? is a dog that is we only told the truth in our lyrics that was the policy so hunter is a dog um he was a great dog he was uh toby we had decided we were gonna have a, a dog in our house in westchester and toby went to the pound and picked out hunter uh and his description at the pound was his name is hunter he's a gentleman on the leash which wasn't really that true. He was he was all right. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a gentleman, but he was a gentleman. Otherwise, he was one of my favorite dogs ever. He's he a sweet, sweet guy. Kind of like shaped like a fox. He was, yeah, he was a cool dog. He was that a song dog. has sweet dog. First, the first line of that song is three points to the crow, which was Andrew had a uh, or Andrew's mom had a jeep. I guess that was the jeep that led to jeep fest. fest. <laughs> but his little sister Alexandra, who is now twenty nine years old, Gosh. she had a a piece of paper there that had like names of birds or like objects you would see on the road. So it's crow, and there were three slashes underneath the, the crow. Like she had seen three crows on her drive. <laughs> it was kind of cr- very like southeastern Pennsylvania. Like you're gonna see some crows. You probably won't see stoplights, but you'll see <laughs> you'll see crows or roadkill. Oh, Three I love points. it. Three really? points to the so the crow is winning. Yeah, the crow is ahead. I mean, this is also really cool with like a lot of the raccoon lyrics just that I surmise were uh, were very, they were very smart and abstract, right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, later on, uh, Scott and Toby have obviously written hundreds of songs by now. And I think later on they got a little more direct in some of their lyrics um but scott's always done a lot of wordplay and um toby's lyrics in raccoon i've i always really loved they are weird and abstract but they have this kind of twisted logic poetry to them that uh, that's really cool and it's just all feels like it's from this murky confused dream world but yeah they're bleak bleak like bleak young man <laughs> interpretations young man a bleak young man who has the like the mind and body of a really old man yeah. like that Bukowski <laughs> thing is kind of like came through well there you have it that's part one bag it and tag it you got it now sitting in your gullet don't hesitate jump to the second episode 
That is part two of this whole story. I want you to do it now while it's still fresh in your head, in your heart, in your belly. You're going to get a good conclusion of this story in part two. I'll see you next time. May all your wishes come true.